With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. Bobby Manning, James Zuba. It's rare you hear us together here these days, huh? The holidays are over, we're into 2020, and... We still have no idea who this team is, for better or for worse. It seems like they're teetering right in the middle, and we're going to find out this weekend, this week, if this team is indeed a train wreck, James, or if there's some hope to salvage here. We back, man. It's been a minute. Uh, last time you were out for finals week, we had Goody on. And after that, I was out. I was on holiday, and I was in the Florida Keys, so you had Brent X come on. X, X did a great job on the show, by the way. Well, we were right. We threw out there our suspicion all along that Robert Braswell is hurt. It wasn't really a suspicion. I mean, Jim Beheim said it himself on his show, and then we I checked with everybody after the next game. I think it was the Bucknell game, and no one had a clue what I was talking about, but we were right. Brent was curious about why Braswell hadn't been playing. You were definitely curious as his biggest fan. And I was just confused <laughs> as what was going on. And it sounds like he's going to redshirt now. Yeah, you, you asked the question. Everybody looks at you like you got eight heads. Breswell's healthy. What's going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, lo and behold, uh, after the Niagara game. So, I, I asked Beheim about it. And I wasn't really trying to dig into that. I was genuinely just wondering, like, hey, the kid came in, he hit two threes and didn't play in the second half. So, that's a little curious. So I was just, you know, I was going to say, does he need, need to make strides defensively? Does he need to rebound the ball better? Because he's gotten out-rebounded a few times this year. And then Bayham finally came out and said, it. you know, they're looking at a red shirt. And interesting interesting note, he could still play in two more games. So as we head into the Notre Dame game, Syracuse might want to use him, just given the, the lack of depth going in. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But I, I would think that he's got a red shirt this year, just based on everything that's been said. I don't, I don't think they would come out and – and say that if they weren't leaning that way, at least. So what was your big takeaway with Matt talking to him that uh, day? <laughs> I don't think we got a chance to talk about that Oakland scouting report piece that he did. That was pretty awesome. Pretty much confirmed every eye test that we've, we've thrown at this team. <laughs> uh, that was so the, the Georgetown game was before the, the Oakland game. So no, we wouldn't have talked about yeah. it. He did a great job on that, though. And I, I think the funniest thing on the scouting report was – the scout on Bryson, or they go, his jumper's not bad, doesn't look broken. <laughs> doesn't look broken. What does that mean? Now, you caught up with Bryson a little bit this last week, too. Uh, you got into a few of these games over the last few weeks. I haven't been up in Syracuse, but we've gotten some good stuff from your end. I mean, what's been your biggest takeaway from talking to everybody in the locker room the last few weeks? Yeah, just touching on Bryson real quick. So I had a chance to catch up with him after the game. And I think that, you know, coming into the year, I was so high on him in Italy. And I, I think I tweeted out something over the summer like, you know, he's absolutely going to play. You know, he, he looks ready. He was aggressive. Um, he scored it really well as the third guard. And, you know, he, he passed the ball so well. So he, he played really well in that summer trip. And then now talking to him, it, it just seems like, and I think he's got great potential and a great career in front of him. 
but he he just strikes me as a freshman that's lost his confidence right now, just based on the way that he was talking. And, you know, he, he's definitely got his best basketball ahead of him still. Um, but he, he just sounds like a kid right now that is going through the typical freshman things and, and he's struggling a little bit right now. But, um, you know, he, he's played well defensively. I think he's been really well in the zone and he's he's been in position and he's gotten deflections and he, he played really great defensively in the Niagara game. But the, the offense is still coming along for him right now. So, And as we noted today that, um, you know, Jim Beheim talked with, with Axe and said that he's he's got a broken nose and he's going to get a face mask going forward. But Yeah, uh, he, he, he described <laughs> it as an injury, and thank God Bryson came along and was like, it's not an injury, I'm jumping right back out there. Because that's all yeah. they needed was Howard Washington suffering a knee injury of some sort. It doesn't sound like he'll be out of the fold that long. Neither will Jesse Edwards, who had an ankle sprain. And just a laundry list of depth injuries that Braswell alone could really just throw off the depth of this team because we'll see how big of an impact Edwards and Washington can have anyway, whether they're healthy or not. That Braswell one is the big one for me because he actually was looking like a guy who could maybe step into the rotation, let Elijah Hughes play some two, which is something we saw in the Niagara game. But luckily... For the most part, they'll at least have bodies to put out there. It stinks that the most consequential of them all is going to be down for the year. But it's nice to have the bodies. I mean, this was looking like a team that was going to have maybe six, seven guys of Washington and Edwards were going to be truly hurt. Yeah, as you mentioned, a laundry list of injuries for sure. And, and that's all we know right now. But, like, it seems like everybody's a little bit banged up. I mean, uses those practices are something, huh? Oh man, going at each other. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get into one of those. It's just a uh, guys blowing into each other's nose, ankles turning. It's just there's a lot of intensity. It sounds like. Apparently, that must be it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think every team and every player is a little bit banged up in some form. Like Elijah's played with his right wrist taped pretty much all season. I don't know if anybody's caught on to that, but um, yeah, another another injury or quote unquote injury, and. Probably the worst time for all that to happen. Not that there's ever a great time for that to happen, but heading right into ACC play and the thick of things, and and a, and a time when Syracuse really needs these wins to start off the conference play. All right, well, let's get into it. This is the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm going to talk about Elijah Hughes. And the the season that he's having a little bit, and you know, I caught up with him a little bit. Uh, I've seen I don't know what you've seen, Bobby, but from my perspective, you know, I've seen him kind of take some strides in the leadership department, just you know, on the court but off the court as well. Um, he's really taken charge of that that role. He's kind of you know grabbed it by the mantle, and, and you know, he's he's taken on that 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 burden of leadership almost, and he's 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 done it really well. Uh, but he's he's playing at a really high level, you know, 19.8 points per game at second in the ACC. Um, only Jordan Nora is higher, 0.4 points per game higher. And I, I think he's in the, the discussion for ACC Player of the Year. I mean, when you look at the league, I think it's Nora, uh, Vernon Carey Jr. at the top. People will throw Ch- Trey Jones in there, but if Trey Jones was doing what he was doing at any other school outside of Duke or North Carolina in the league, I don't really think people would be putting him in contention for a player of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah. And 
I do think if if Elijah was doing what he was doing at Syracuse, if he was doing it at a Duke or North Carolina, he would be the the front runner for ACC player. Oh my! Never mind front runner for that. I mean, he'd be one of the faces of college basketball coverage in the country. And honestly, I don't think any player across college basketball or at least ACC has been more valuable to their team. We talk about Duke. They have Carey. They have Jones. They have a couple bodies there who have collectively made that team a success this year. And I know they have that one bad loss on their resume. They've overall you know, been able to play up to expectations so far. And I think they are going to edge out Louisville for that regular season title because Noir has had some stinkers, frankly. And the latest one was against Kentucky. He hit the big three at the end there to send it to overtime, but he was missing an action for most of that game. Here's what frankly blows me away about Elijah's season. It's not the 20 points per game, which isn't even something Tyus Battle did here in his three years, despite the weight that he had to carry on the squad. It's that every single game, he's present. He's been out there scoring the points they need, reaching double figures, being efficient even with it. 41%, 41.6 even on a high volume of threes. He's taken almost eight per game. He's getting on the back door. He's leading the offense in certain sets. I mean, what he's been able to do across so many different roles offensively for this team while still being a valuable defender, it's one of the most... It's one of the most put-the-team-on-my-back performances that we've seen from this team in 10 years. And maybe it doesn't last in the ACC. saying a lot because Tyus played the last two years. <laughs> yeah. So, for, I mean, it's just incredible because his volume's gone up and his efficiency's gone up from last year. And he's had to do so much more. It's incredible. And, and like you said, he's doing it from all over the court. He's hitting shots. You know, he's shooting 41% from three, which is ridiculous. They'd be um, in a very bad spot without him right now, especially when we think about the oh, start he got off to in that Georgia Tech game. Oh, man, they might be, you know, five and eight instead of eight and five. But, yeah, it's it's pretty impressive to see what he's doing. And, and I think the most impressive thing is that he's done it at all three levels. You know, he's he's always got, he's always had the back door. Him and Marek have that connection, you know, but he's – He's finishing at the rim. He's getting out in transition when he can, and he's finishing. He's making plays. He's getting it from the mid post. We're seeing him, you know, back down a little bit, a couple dribbles, turn and pull up. You know, he's hitting that mid-range shot, uh, and he's finding guys. He's rebounding the ball. He's finding guys. How many times do we see us, like, you know, within the half court, a nice no-look pass for an assist? He had one to Bayheim for a three, had one to, to Marek, who almost missed the layup. But he, he's doing it all. I mean, he's doing everything. He's blocking shots at a high. Some of his block shots, I mean, we saw that last year. But the things he does at the rim, sending shots the other way off the backboard, oh, my goodness, man. It's it's so impressive. And he's so mature. I mean, the poise that he has on the court, there's not a lot of frustration from him, despite the enormously frustrating moments that this team has gone through. I mean, he's just so even-keeled and consistent and everything that this team hasn't been over the years. I mean, he's a breath of fresh air, and we've obviously heavily documented the road he took to get here. It didn't seem like he was a player who was capable of playing at this level when he was first getting started playing the game in Beacon. And now you got to talk about him as one of the best players in college basketball, frankly definitely most valuable because this offense almost entirely revolves around him. You got to give Buddy some credit too because Buddy's been successful playing off of him and vice versa. I mean, they've both drawn a lot of gravity at the three-point line. And 
honestly, both of them have been able to make this more than just a three-point heaving offense, too. They've been both able to make plays here or there. Uh, to me, he's the ACC player of the year. Whether it continues in the ACC play, I think that he is truly just getting overlooked because of the team standing right now. No doubt. And that's something that irks me about this team, too, because honestly, James, I know the Niagara game's not a great taste to say this off of, and it definitely you know leveled my expectations a little bit going into ACC play, but this is still one of the few teams in the conference that doesn't have a bad loss, and that means something. I mean, they're only able to build up from here. They don't have to carry baggage with them, and if they start you know, three and one in these first four here as they could, they're in a very good position. Even Chris Carlson said this in analyzing the ACC. He put them way down in the bottom half, but he said this team could rise fast if they just take care of business into conference play. Yeah, no doubt. If, if they win some games and, you know, most notably if they win some quadrant run, quadrant two games, then they can shoot right back up in that conversation. Now, as you, as you point out, eight and five, but but no bad losses. Um, you know, look at looking across the board, there's no quadrant three or quadrant four, you know, bad loss that Syracuse has brought into conference play in previous years. You know, when you look back to like a St. John's loss or um, it wasn't such a bad loss last year, but like an old Dominion they, who ended up making the tournament, but it looked bad at the time. Um, they don't they don't have any of those types of losses on the schedule um, and the non-conference schedule. But, yeah, certainly going forward, they're going to have to win games. Uh, you're going to have to probably win at least 10 of the next 18 to be in the discussion. And it, of course, depends on who you beat and you know where you beat them and how it all breaks down in the net. Uh, but th- they're going to have to win at least 10, I think, to get back within that conversation. And you might have to go, you might have to win 12. And that's that's going to be really hard to do to go 12 and 6 in the ACC, even if it is a down year. But you have to do a little bit more work to get those quality wins because – there's less opportunities for them, and the league, the league is just down overall, as we know, this year. That, that's the balance you strike there, is that these games aren't going to be as valuable if you do win them, but they're more winnable overall, especially these first two. And they do see Notre Dame first to start the stretch off, the one-and-one in-conference play with that Georgia Tech win, the bad Virginia loss to start the year. Notre Dame, not all that impressive to me. I mean, they enter 9-4. and four, They've lost both their conference games. They got four 10-plus point-per-game scorers. And overall, I mean, the numbers, the plus-minuses, all that stuff looks pretty good, but they haven't played a very tough schedule. They've seen Maryland, Indiana, and UNC, and they've lost to all three of them. The only decent wins against UCLA, and they have a loss to BC on top of it. That was the opening night game, which I guess you could discredit a little bit too. Overall, I mean... The only issue that could arise here, and this is an issue that they've seen all year, is John Mooney. That guy's just been phenomenal. So they're going to have to keep him off the board. They're going to have to keep him from scoring inside. Luckily, though, he's only a 45% shooter, which is pretty low for a guy who plays around the rim. It is low. They're going to have to do a lot against Mooney. And to your point, um, I I was very high on Notre Dame coming into the year. I think I was higher on them than most just because – they lost a lot last year, and a lot of the freshmen got thrown into the fire. And, you know, as the great thing we've seen with freshmen is in college basketball is that they become sophomores. Yeah. So get a little bit of experience. They usually take that jump. Um, they've been okay. They've, they've not been great. They're, they're good in a few different departments. They don't turn the ball over, one. They're, they're the number one team in the country in not turning the ball over. They don't foul uh, a lot either. 
Yeah, they, that's what I was going to get into. They don't foul a lot, and it's an interesting stat. Syracuse is number one in the country in assisted field goal percentage, and Notre Dame is number one in the country in assisted turnover ratio. So both both teams kind of pass the ball well, um, and Notre Dame, you know, doesn't turn the ball over as you mentioned, but not not super impressive. Notre Dame already zero and two in the league, lost to North Carolina, lost to BC, as you said. They needed a game win. They really needed a game tying three from Nate Lashevsky to beat Toledo at home to send it in OT, and they won that game in OT. So I actually watched a little bit of that game, and you know, I think my my expectations for for Notre Dame came down a little bit, but. But they do shoot it well. They shoot it really well from deep. And they've got John Mooney inside, who I think is going to have no problem getting a double-double in this game. Yeah, and if they're able to get a lot of possessions, that's probably going to be the difference in this one is how many possessions they're able to generate because they're not very efficient as an offense. Uh, Dane Goodwin, becoming a sophomore, as you said, has jumped to a next level. Uh, He's been excellent for them on the wing, scoring, and I'll also say that Temple Gibbs is a great slasher. But there's another guy who shoots 35%. Um, you know, Mooney can shoot the three a little bit. It's, it's decent. So overall, this offense doesn't scare me a ton. The thing is, Syracuse defensively has just given it up to everybody. I mean, the um, 57 to Niagara, I mean, it didn't look like a lot, James. But I looked in the Niagara schedule after that, and... They scored 39 against Rutgers, and I know Rutgers has been one of the bigger surprises in college basketball so far this year, but that's more the range where Syracuse should have been keeping them, given their recent defensive standards. If this team is going to have success against anybody, they have to figure this defense out. And I know we've talked at length about the guards, but what do you think they could do differently to hold Notre Dame down to probably the 60s where they need to be? Uh, Prevent John Mooney from playing. (laughs) way <laughs> they could do that uh no i mean yeah I, I think one as we mentioned you know elijah playing the top and he might do that in this game you know if, if howard isn't good to go and if bryson is bothered by the nose then you know maybe maybe elijah gets some run at the top of the he zone he should i mean kevin has said this a ton the two guards should not be playing 40 minutes whether you think buddy should be playing a lot or less neither of them should be playing 40 minutes in a game if Howard's unable to go. Yeah, so we'll see if they can do that. Um, but but I think number one is going to be limiting, well, really really 1A and 1B. One, they, they've got to limit the outside shot from Notre Dame for sure, and they've got to find a way to limit Mooney inside. And as we've seen in all five losses that Syracuse has had, the, the opposing big man has had a great game. And... Granted, a lot, you know, a few of those guys are, you know, they're in contention for for some, you know, first team all, um, you know, whatever their league is, you know, the Big East for <laughs> year at seven, and um, of course the Big Ten for Luca Garza, you know, but but they made Yornay look really good from Oklahoma State, and I don't think he's as good of a player as he played in that game. Mm-hmm. You know who, uh, Jay, Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite. Luca Garza had a big game against them. Right. Exactly. So I think I think that's going to be the key in this game is one limiting the outside shot, but also limiting Mooney inside because you know he's going to get a double double, and it would not surprise me to see Barama Sidibe and Jesse Edwards should he play on that sprained ankle to go through eight to ten fouls between the two of them, and then maybe you need to see Dolajai play some extended run at center, and you know when you got Dolajai in the center spot, God love him, he plays his heart out, you know soaking wet. 185 pounds with rocks in his pockets 
he's going to be going up against a 245-pound big man in John Mooney. So Mooney uh, is you know what that's going to look a like. load. He's a load down there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think th- I think they can get through this one. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to do it offensively. The thing is, I mean, they've been better on the road than at home this year. And in recent years, I feel like, too, they just flow better offensively on the road. There's probably something to the routine or maybe the building or probably a combination of things that makes them a little more comfortable on the road than at the Dome in recent years. I don't know what it is. It's probably something I'm going to look into in this half of the season because that's just something I've noticed with them. But a lot of the tougher games are at home, including Duke and some of the other ones in conference. Is the Louisville one at home or is that one? That one's in Louisville, right? All right, so that that's actually pretty balanced then. There's a good assortment of home and road games because they're going to have a Virginia road one in the opening weeks here too. Uh, so we'll, we'll look ahead a little bit, big picture to ACC to cap this show. I think we've done a good job of already getting into what we've seen from this team. But it was New Year's, James, so I know you had to have a wine, didn't you? No, man. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> so, so I've been on the road like... I was in the Keys, as we mentioned. Not even I, at the airport? No, man. I, I went up to Syracuse for the Niagara game last weekend. I was in town for that. Came back down to New York City. I've had work this week. And then I'm going back up to Syracuse for the Notre Dame game this weekend. And then I'll be actually on the road in uh, in Charlottesville for the Virginia game, yes. too. But for New Year's, I came home. I put on the Duke-Boston College game. And once that game got to, like, 15 points... Uh, 15 point margin i went out and grabbed a burrito ate the burrito and then i pretty much went to bed man i didn't even stay up until to watch the ball drop anything i'm right in new york i don't want anything to do with it i don't want to be in Times square i didn't want to go out and see my friends i didn't want to have champagne i just wanted to come home and go to bed so that's what i did well you got the break you're gonna need for the second half we know it's gonna be a rush for you i was in brooklyn and i made sure i had a wine by my side it was Unfortunately, pushed upon me. I had a very embarrassing moment in wow. Cappies, which, which for Boston people, I think they'll know that one. Other parts of the country, not so much. Um, I go in there. I'm looking for the Syrah that I liked from the beer and wine class, the recommended one from Australia. I honestly liked it. And I go in there. I ask the guy for it. He didn't really know where it was, and then I ended up finding it. And he just gives me the meanest look in the world. He's like, you like that? That's a terrible <laughs> wine. And I'm like, oh, all right. He's like, I'm the resident wine snob here. And I thought he was going to take me over to like a $60 bottle or something, but I decided to just go with them because someone that confident knows what they're doing. And he brought me to a Coates de Rhone from France, which Never is a heard. mix of, <laughs> I think it's a mix of like three or four. It ended <laughs> up being $14. Very dry. Very uh, tannic, as they say. Like, it tastes like tea. It has that bitterness to it. And that's that's what I like. So the guy led me in the right direction. We had some Prosecco. Those bottles, unfortunately, popped um, with, like, 14 seconds and one minute on the clock, respectively. There's too oh. much shaking going on. <laughs> one ended up all over the floor. But great time. Good friends. Um, one of the better New Year's I've had in recent years. It was a very nice house friend of ours in Brooklyn. So... We had a good time. Um, resolutions? I mean, do you have any? I don't, I don't do resolutions, man. I, I make my resolution. When whenever I need to make a change in life, I don't wait till New Year's to make a resolution. So that's uh, that's my two cents there. But what, what about you? I'm going to be using my phone less, hopefully. 
that's that's a good goal for everybody, especially in today's day and age. Uh, like- yeah, now that you have the thing on the phone that tells you how much you use it, it's a real eye opener. You don't realize. I mean, you know, everybody, like at least with with noons, you know, we're we're always kind of plugged. We're always in Slack and you know on social media, Twitter, what have you. You really don't realize how much time you spend on social media or on your phone, checking emails, that sort of thing. Shooting to it, it, it's become a thing where we were so reliant on our phones to do everything. You know, maps, take pictures, um, you know, emails. Like I said, text. So we, we've come. You know, alarm clock. You know, we, we've become so reliant on just this one device and we spend so much time on it day in and day out. So that, that's a good New Year's resolution, though. I like that because I don't think I don't think people, one, realize how much time they do spend on their phone and two, realize how detrimental it, it can be to your health. Oh, it's the eyes, right? I'm going to be blind. <laughs> 24 hours of Twitter a week is going to drive me blind. <laughs> All right, what else we got on the docket, man? What else we got? All right, so the ACC, you're down on it. I think it's hard not to be with UNC being ranked 83rd in the net, I believe is where they're at, just a spot above us right now. So a team like that with their pedigree being as low as they are, obviously suffering from the Cole Anthony injury, is a sign of where this conference is. What is your expectation for Syracuse overall in the play? I mean, just a gut feeling. I know you thought they were going to be over 500 coming in, but that doesn't seem to mean all that much this year. Yeah, I, I think that they're probably going to be somewhere around 10 and 8 the rest of the way. And that would put them at 11 and 9 in the conference. And, you know, just just short of the NCAA tournament discussion, I think, you know, if that's the case, they're probably going to need to win two or three games in the ACC tournament or to go win the whole thing. Um, you're, you're never technically out of it in college basketball. That's the one cool thing is that your NCAA tournament hopes you can you could still be you know under 500 on the year in the conference and you can still go to your conference tournament and have hope um, but yeah I think I think Syracuse will probably go 10 and eight somewhere around there the rest of the way and, and fall short of the NCAA tournament I brought this up as a interesting possibility the other day and I honestly think it could be something that this team might have to hang its hat on is improving all the way through the end of ACC play getting guys like Howard Garrier, Edwards more involved, and then we'll see. I don't know. This team in recent years hasn't had much of a shot going into ACC tournament time. I don't think Bayheim has felt they've had a strong chance in those tournaments because he hasn't been that disappointed every time they've bowed out early, at least in recent years. This, this year, Greensboro, though, man. Weaker conference this year. That's there, true. That does that does play them. against them. But you know, here's here's me preparing. Happy people to see Syracuse lose in the tournament. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of happy people. <laughs> oh, this is where we're at, huh? I'm I think about so. to say it. I think they could make a little bit of a run in this conference tournament this year, and uh, that might be what they have to hang their hat on. I mean, think about it. ten and eight. What seed do you think that gets them? Yeah, you're probably in the seven, the eight seed range so all right I don't, you're probably going against the number yeah the one or the two seed in the second round although if they can avoid and who's to say i mean syracuse could beat louisville or duke this year i mean i don't think it's a 
you know, Syracuse has had success against Louisville in recent years. And I'm not feeling great about Duke this year. That's I, that's I a tough team. Here, I think the big thing is just, you know, if a team has a, a big man that's dominant, I think that's going to really hurt Syracuse, and that's their Achilles heel. And I think, you know, Vernon Carey is going to have no problem going out and getting like 20 and 10 against Syracuse. Yeah. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves with those games. It's Notre Dame Saturday. It's Virginia Tech after that. Any closing thoughts, James? I think we've uh, put this team in well perspective. Overall, how are you feeling about them at this point? It's very, to me, it feels very middle. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't been awful. They haven't been good by any stretch of the imagination. These first three games, I feel like, are going to send us in one direction or the other. Feeling excellent about the team because they're taking care of business or losing three or four straight to open this up and then we just throw it in the trash can. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think these next few games are going to be very telling. And um, you also hit the nail on the head. I thought coming into the season they would be a little bit better than what they've been. But I also thought they would have Jalen Carey, who was going to take a step forward. And I also thought that um, I also probably, in the same breath, I did not expect Joe Girard to be having the year that he's having. But, you know, I expected Quincy to be a little bit better. Uh, I thought he would be more adjusted and, and you know, playing well on the offensive end and rebounding the ball at a high level. So, you know, overall, without without naming individual guys, I thought they would be a little bit better. You know, I probably would have pegged them to be like a 10-3 and three or maybe even like a 9-4 and four with win- winning another one of those Power 5 games. But, you know, a little bit under expectations to this point, and I think that's kind of how the year is going to finish as well. But I do think, to your point, that these next few games are going to be very telling and um, it's going to determine the type of season that Syracuse can have in this final ACC stretch. Yeah, along that stretch, it's been right down the middle with the roster. I think Hughes, Bayheim, maybe even Marek to some degree have been better than expected. And then we look at Sidibe, Goodine, Garrier, even Carey. I mean, those guys are well below what we expected. So for them even be in this position, where we're still talking about NCAA hopes, at least I am. Syracuse.com wrote about it this morning, too. They've got I'm a feeling shot. Good. It's, it's probably unlikely, but they've got a shot. We'll find out within these first few games. James will be in Notre Dame. I'll be at Virginia Tech for sure. So we'll have feet on the ground in Syracuse as the new year gets started. Stay with NoonsMagician.com, at James oh, Zuba. I'll be in Virginia as well. We got a lot yep. of coverage. All right, we got a ton of coverage. Austin <laughs> will be on the ground as well in the second half. I'm graduating out here looking for a job, so you'll see me here or there. Hey. At Real Bob Manning, you can check out my website, realbobmanning.com. They'll be up soon. Lots of content there if you're thinking about hiring me. And <laughs> with that, we're in the 2020. Talk to you soon, James. Let's get it. All right, see you, Bobby. Good luck. <laughs>